0: Part Nine of The Birth of Professional Rugby League in Australia. Selections from the Sydney Morning Herald. Nineteen hundred seven to nineteen hundred eight. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Professionalism in Australian Sport. The Debate Goes On. Ninth of March to Fourteenth of April, nineteen hundred eight. Monday, ninth of March, nineteen hundred eight. Union and League. The Rugby Position. THE NEW SOUTH WALES RUGBY LEAGUE HAS FORMED THE FOLLOWING FIRST GRADE SIDES FOR THE COMING SEASON. Balmain, EASTERN SUBURBS, WESTERN SUBURBS, NORTH SYDNEY, SOUTH SYDNEY, NEWTOWN AND GLEBE. IT IS NOT YET CERTAIN WHETHER ST. GEORGE, MANLEY OR SYDNEY WILL FORM THE EIGHTH FIRST GRADE SIDE. IT IS POSSIBLE THAT NONE OF THE THREE WILL MAKE THE EIGHTH SIDE, BUT THAT AN ENTIRELY DIFFERENT PLAN WILL BE ADOPTED ON THE SUGGESTION OF MR. GILTONEN, THE SECRETARY. Mr. Gilton stated that the league did not wish to exaggerate its success or the strength of its footing. A number of players have joined, he continued, and even some of the university sympathise with us. Balmain has come over in a body, but it would put the league, the players and the public in a false position to give private names. With Headley and Messenger, the league has the best back and the best footballer in Australia, and its members have no doubts of success by arrangement with the northern union mr Giltonen said a new south wales team would visit england this year starting in august the players would be picked in july they had a three thousand pound guarantee and were to get seventy per cent of the gates an english team was to visit australia in nineteen hundred and nine it has been definitely decided to play the northern union game and the new rules lay it down that no league side may play more than thirteen men It is an absolutely new game, said Mr. Giltinan. There is no lining out. If the ball is kicked into touch before it bounces on the field, there is a scrum back where it was kicked from. We have to see if the public will like our game. Mr. Thomas, from Lancashire, who was in this morning, says it's the best game going. And Mr. Gleeson of New Zealand, a solicitor, says that once the public see it, they'll have no time for any other. It is much faster than the Union game. As to what the union are going to do, they cannot broaden their rules without breaking away from the English rugby union. Of course they want to widen the rules. Why are they following in our footsteps all the time? Why are they pooling the gates in the country matches? Where is the difference between that and what we do? As for amateur expenses, one English player was allowed £300 for lemons. He was no amateur at eating lemons. HLS in the London Sportsman says that rugby is dead in the south of england and cardiff and swansea are to play in the northern union next year we have no rules about professionals our men are not professionals any more than the australian eleven a man who declared himself professional would have no status with us the attitude of the rugby union towards the league is undecided a prominent member explained each of the local unions is represented on the council by its own man and as to what he is going to do or propose no one can speak except himself the position is that of a parliament without any government or party all are utterly hostile to professionalism but there are three proposals as to how the union should treat it most members hold that the union cannot shut its eyes to the one prominent event of the year professionalism the movement has not ended even among the prominent players much less amongst the young and ignorant players the union should fight the league openly with all its might professionalism is beaten in newcastle and the country but in the town it is very strong especially in Balmain. a second proposal is to ignore the league if men want to play for money the sooner they play by themselves the better now they are out of the amateur game others who would not play with them members of the city and suburban clubs for instance who are joining the metropolitan union in numbers will more than take their place if the people love the game for the game they will not play it for money; if they love it for money then whatever the union might do the game is dead. The game of thirteen aside or ten aside is a different game altogether. The Australian rules were ignored in New South Wales and they did not survive. Thirdly those whose districts have chiefly lost in men through professionalism propose to broaden the union rules wherever they think there is any legitimate grievance without doing what the English rugby union says may not be done. Of these three courses, there is little doubt the union will have to take the first. To fight professionalism may advertise it, but members think that going round and talking to young players is not enough. The union will probably decide to give in black and white a clear statement to the country parts of the stand it takes. Summing up the position it is clearly the hand of the league to make the union enforce its rules strictly and disqualify large numbers it is the hand of the union to broaden its rules as far as it can without breaking the english affiliation wednesday the eleventh of march nineteen hundred and eight league football north sydney club the general meeting of the north sydney district rugby league football club was held in the masonic hall north sydney on monday march the second Mr. E. M. Clark M. L. A., occupied the chair. Mr. Odbert, the secretary, addressed the meeting regarding the progress of the club since its formation. In his remarks, he mentioned that everything had been satisfactorily arranged for large and commodious training quarters, and judging by the large enrolment of players, the North Sydney Club was going to be a pronounced success. Regarding junior players under the league, All ground fees would be paid by the league, and in addition to which, the North Sydney District League Club would provide for training accommodation. It had also been decided that the district club give a set of gold medals to the Premier Team in the Northern District, and this would also apply in the case of second juniors. Mr Hoyle, President of the New South Wales Rugby League, dealt fully on the constitution of the league. The following were elected officers. Patron, Mr. E. M. Clark, M. L. A. Vice-Patron, Alderman L. MacMurdo, J. P. President, Mr. J. A. Fennelly. Vice-Presidents, Alderman P. McManus, Messrs P. W. Dunn, J. P., C. Dunn, Cecil McMurdo, E. Moss, C. Ford, R. W. Heather, D. MacDonald, Charles White, R. Friend, and J. E. Blue. Joint On-Secretaries, Messrs H. F. Odbert and W. Hedge, on Treasurer, Alderman M. McMurdo, General Committee, Messrs. D. Lutcher, Abercrombie, Glanville, E. Boland, J. Devera, C. Heimrich, W. Kendall, and F. Heckland. At the close of the meeting there was a further enrolment of members, and a number of subscriptions were received. Union and League Rugby. To the Editor of the Herald. Sir, your article on monday in treatment of the above question is very fair to both of the opposing forces in the first place i may state i am not connected in way with either body but as an old player and follower of the grand old game with your permission may i crave a few lines as to the dispute it cannot be denied but things have been somewhat disturbed through the crisis and new arrangements are being made for the coming season are not the union authorities showing weakness in their new efforts to keep the players to their side would insurance sick pay larger club grants and other items have excited such consideration from the union body if the players had not protested in the form of a new league your article mentions the fact that professionalism is beaten in the country but very strong in the city especially in balmain now if there is one club above all others that has a grievance against the union management it should be balmain can it be fairly said that birch grove park received its share of first grade matches why should certain clubs receive consideration as to playing grounds to illustrate more clearly why should south sydney club play so often on the sports ground and balmain make journeys nearly every play day to the local club's ground another matter i have not seen discussed is the umpiring question how comes it that one or two fortunate umpires can obtain all the best matches of the season to be brief what need is there of two rugby bodies such as the metropolitan and the new south wales rugby union could not one secretary in less expensive quarters than in bligh street do all the work with ease this matter will not stand argument and until the various electorate clubs demand what is their right, namely, a balance sheet of the season, showing full receipts and expenditure, a protest such as is now put forward in the shape of a new league organisation should merit public approval. I am, etc., protest. Saturday, 14th of March, 1908 New South Wales Rugby League Referees' Association a meeting of the referees to whistle the matches under the New South Wales Rugby League was held last night at the Supreme Court Hotel under the chairmanship of Mr. T. Costello. The following officers were elected. President, Mr. T. Hoyle. Vice-Presidents, Messrs McCabe, Trumper, Burden, Giltinen, Messenger. Secretary, Mr. Aubrey C. Welsh. Treasurer, Mr. George Boss. Delegate to the Council, Mr. George Boss. General Committee. Messrs. Costello, Hooper, Henlon, Buchanan and Hanson. Examination Board. Messrs. Costello, McCabe, Hooper, Burden and Henlon. Auditors. Messrs. Knox and Trumper. It was stated that the League would have for its matches Wentworth Park, Agricultural Ground, Birch Grove, perhaps Hampden Park, and a ground in Newtown. Trial matches would be played on Hampden Park towards the end of the present month. It was stated that the New Zealanders would play five or six matches in Sydney and that there would be a Maori team here as well as a team from Queensland. A New South Wales team would visit Brisbane. Mr. Boss stated that a very large number of juniors in North Sydney had decided to play league football. Clubs had been formed and were being formed to represent Balmain, Eastern Suburbs, Newtown, Western Suburbs, South Sydney, Glebe, North Sydney, and another district it was claimed that the prospects were bright. Wednesday, 25th of March, 1908 Football, South Sydney Club, Amateurism Defended Last night at St David's Hall, Surrey Hills, the South Sydney Club held its annual meeting. The chair was occupied by Mr R.C. Cole. Among those on the platform were several representatives of the New South Wales Rugby Union and the Metropolitan Union considerable enthusiasm was displayed several of the first grade team had represented the state in the interstate and international matches the statements of receipts and expenditure showed a credit balance of twenty one pounds six shillings and tenpence feeling reference was also made in the report to the late mr a g dent and also to the late mr j l groundwater of the university club the report was adopted In speaking to the report, Mr. McMahon referred to the secession of some of the club members from the Metropolitan Union. He felt sorry for those who had left their ranks and amateurism, feeling aggrieved at what they thought the Union had or had not done. The proper course was to wait until the annual meetings, and then appoint those men who could ventilate any grievances they might have, and thus eliminate any necessity for disunion or dissatisfaction. Instead of that, seceders had adopted an entirely different course he would take the opportunity to absolutely deny the truth of an allegation reported to have been made by a certain alderman who had accused the union authorities of underhand practice he the speaker was in a position through long association with that body to not only refute that allegation but also to state that none of the management committee had ever to his knowledge received any compensation for services done. The attacks that had been made against the union were without foundation. Hear, hear. Mr. H. D. Wood, president of the Metropolitan Union, speaking on the professional movement, said he was glad to say that the players and the general public were determined to maintain the rugby union. If professionalism once got a hold, there would be no room for the amateur. Mr. Mark stated that the balance sheet of the Metropolitan Union was the best answer to criticism. Mr. Forgey, Newcastle, stated that a couple of days ago, a most successful meeting had been held in the northern city. Newcastle was going on the same lines as the rugby union. Country footballers recognised that they could not do without the Metropolitan Union. Thursday, 26th of March, 1908 Football, Metropolitan Rugby Union, Professional Movement THE GREAT HEART OF THE PUBLIC. THE ANNUAL MEETING OF THE METROPOLITAN RUGBY UNION WAS HELD AT THE ROOMS LAST NIGHT, MR. H. D. WOOD OCCUPYING THE CHAIR. THE ANNUAL REPORT CONTAINED THE FOLLOWING. DURING THE COURSE OF THE SEASON, A NUMBER OF PLAYERS BELONGING TO CONSTITUENT CLUBS WERE DEALT WITH FOR BREACHES OF THE RULES AS TO PROFESSIONALISM. IT WAS IMPERATIVE IN THE INTERESTS OF OUR NATIONAL WINTER GAME THAT SUCH ACTION SHOULD HAVE BEEN TAKEN, for there could be but one result, were professionalism once allowed. The histories of the British Football Association and the English Northern Union show this unmistakably. Rugby would soon cease to be a game, it would become a business, in which there would be no room for any but the professional. Mr. H. D. Wood, in moving the adoption of the report and balance sheet, referred to the high standard of play last year, They had got back to the standard of the 1899 visit of the English team. Since their last annual meeting, there was a big matter for regret, and that was the beginning of professionalism. The experience gained in Great Britain showed how undesirable it was. It would undermine the game and spoil the young players. He was, however, sure that the players in the metropolitan area would remain loyal to the amateur game. It was gratifying to see the stand taken by the rowing and swimming associations. Mr. E. S. Marks quoted figures to show what money had been spent on the clubs. The league had certainly caused the clubs to show more zeal. He was personally in favour of a general definition of an amateur for all sports on the basis of an amateur conference definition. Mr. McMahon said that professionalism would deteriorate the game, and he was sure the public would see that. Mr. J. F. Makmanami said that public sympathy would always be with those who showed the better, honester and cleaner game. The union stood on a basis of human confidence in each other. Why take any notice of the opposition? Mr. W. Arnold said too much importance had been attached to the professional movement. They had nothing to fear. The great heart of the public always preferred clean sport. As soon as you could hire a man to win a game, you could hire a man to lose it. There was no doubt that certain players would join the movement, and it was just as well they should be out of the amateur ranks. There was an idea that players drew the crowd. They did not. When Messenger did not play last year, there was a bigger crowd than when he did. Mr. Davoren thought the professional movement had built too high. It had offered too big a programme in order to attract players, and it would fail. Mr. C. W. Oakes, M. L. A., said the opposition movement had done good, it had caused people to talk about the game, and had stirred on the various clubs to action. The public would stand to the game, the union put before them. The report and the balance sheet, which showed a credit balance of 2853 pounds and sixpence, were adopted unanimously. Friday, 27th of March, 1908 Balmain Rugby League Club The general meeting of the newly formed Balmain Rugby Football Club under the auspices of the New South Wales League was held in the Oddfellows Hall Darling Street last night mr cecil turner presided addresses of a vigorous character were delivered by the chairman and mr harry hoyle president of the league and were received with great enthusiasm the election of officers resulted as follows patron mister Q L Deloitte, President Mr C Turner, twenty Vice Presidents, on Secretary, Mr R Hutchison, on Treasurer, Mr H. Laidlaw, Delegate to League, Mr R Hutchison, Committee Messrs Hargraves, F O'Donnell, G Wilcox, A Fitzpatrick, J. Apollony, A Walker, T Latter, H. Davis, F Franklin. Monday thirtieth of march, nineteen hundred and eight. New South Wales Rugby Union How to dish the league Principles welcomed Men tabooed As advertised, the annual meeting of the New South Wales Rugby Union will be held this evening at the Rooms, 6 Bly Street. Two important propositions will come before the meeting, the result of the discussion upon which will be watched with a good deal of interest. They are By Mr. Jass McMahon Seconded by Mr. J.R. Henderson A. steps be taken to insert in the by-laws of the union a by-law providing for granting allowances to players representing the state incapacitated by being injured on the field of play and for defraying medical and other expenses caused through being incapacitated by any such injury while representing the state by mr jas mcmahon seconded by mr e s marks that in addition to the act of professionalism as provided for in clauses A to O in Rule 2, Section 1, and in clauses A to N in Rule 2, Section 2, this union, in accordance with Rule 11, of rules as to professionalism, hereby declares as an act of professionalism, holding any office or assisting in any manner whatsoever any rugby football association declared by this union to be formed in opposition to the New South Wales Rugby Union, in the State of New South Wales. To the Editor of the Herald Sir, the remarks of A. W. Green and also those of Mr. Arnold at the annual meeting of the Metropolitan Rugby Union were most uncalled for. Mr. Green's remark that the names of gentlemen who had represented the State and gone over to the Rugby League should have their names expunged from the roll of honour were certainly not the remarks of a true sporting gentleman. Already Mr Green has very few supporters, and should, after his recent utterances, have none. The public of New South Wales can now see by the actions of these officials of the MRU who are the squeakers. Who is not going to suffer most by the advent of league football? Not the public, but the officials who have had numerous picnics and trips at the expense of the MRU, with money provided by players and public and now that the players are to get a few of the plums out of the game by connecting themselves with the Rugby League. How these officials of the MRU do squeal and squirm. Mr Arnold stated at the same meeting that he was glad most of the players were going to stick to clean sport. Well, why does not Mr Arnold say straight out that the league players and officials are not clean sports and give us a show to answer him? i am sure the public by this time have found out who are the clean sports mr arnold stated that the attendance was larger in a match that mr messenger did not appear in official records will show such not to be the case i would like messrs green and arnold to know that the league of which i am proud to be a member is governed by gentlemen and true sports who would not allow utterances regarding players who have done yeoman service in the past for the state and australia such as Messrs L. Green and Arnold voiced at the annual meeting of the M.I.U. Already the players and referees who have left the ranks of the Union have come to feel proud of being members of the League, and that they made no mistake in leaving the ranks of the Union. I am, etc. George Boss. Stanmore, March 26th, New South Wales League Referees Association. Tuesday, 31st of March, 1908. Hamden Park. At the Paddington Council last night, a letter was read from the New South Wales Rugby League, amending the tender for the use of Hampden Park for the 1908 season, and allowing 50% of the gross proceeds, with a guarantee of not less than 14 first-grade matches. The letter was received. Saturday, 4th of April, 1908. Football. Preliminary matches will be played by the Union, the League and under the Australian rules while under the British Association Code practice games will occupy attention. Rugby, Union Eastern Suburbs vs North Sydney at 3.15pm Hamden Oval Second Teams at 2.15pm South Sydney vs Sydney Rushcutter Oval Second Teams at 2.15pm University vs Western Suburbs Sports Ground 2nd teams at 2.15pm, Balmain vs Glebe, Epping, 2nd teams, 2.15pm, Newtown vs St George at Erskineville Oval, 2nd teams, 2.15pm. League, Newtown vs Western Suburbs at Rosebury Park, North Sydney vs Glebe at Rosebury Park, Balmain Possibles vs Probables at Birchgrove Reserve, Eastern Suburbs vs South Sydney Agricultural ground at three thirty Eastern Suburbs two versus South Sydney two. Agricultural ground at two o'clock. Wednesday, eighth of April, nineteen hundred and eight. Amateur definition Athletic Conference Rugby League claims a place. Rejected by twenty three to eleven. In response to invitations from the New South Wales Amateur Swimming Association. A conference was held in the sports club last night between representatives of various athletic bodies. The chief object of the meeting being to frame a uniform amateur definition for the observance of all athletic bodies. Mr. J. Taylor, President of the Swimming Association, occupied the chair. Mr. E. Howes, Secretary of the Swimming Association, was elected secretary. A letter from the Rugby League was read asking permission for its delegates to attend. Mr. P. B. Colhoun moved that the Rugby League should be requested to furnish evidence to the conference, showing that it was entitled to be considered as an amateur organisation before being admitted. Mr. R. Hickson seconded the motion. Mr. M. A. Noble said, before discussing such a motion, they would have to determine what was an amateur mr richardson remarked that professional boxers who did no other work were to be seen playing as amateur footballers every week mr colquhoun withdrew his motion in favour of mr horniman who moved that the request of the league be not granted he quoted rules eleven and twelve of the league which stated that players might receive ten shillings a day for actual loss of time while playing football it was useless to commence the conference by any humbug mr a morrison seconded the motion mr noble urged that ten shillings was not too much to reimburse a player for expenses it was absurd for a man to participate in a game at personal loss he moved an amendment that the rugby league be admitted to the conference and have the same right to vote as the other associations mr hart seconded the amendment stating that the league claimed to be an amateur body and as the conference had not inquired into the constitutions of other bodies represented it should not particularise the league in that matter messrs a e nash murray Pryor, and j a payton supported the motion the motion was carried by twenty-three votes to eleven it was eventually decided that a subcommittee of seven be formed to prepare a series of resolutions for future conference. The committee elected was Messrs. Taylor Swimming Association, Marks Athletic Union, Horneman Rowing, Colhoun Tennis, Arnold University Sports Union, McMahon Rugby Union, and Green Cricket Association. Each association was requested to forward a copy of its rules to the subcommittee, and the meeting adjourned till May the 5th. Friday, 10th of April, 1908 All blacks back. A successful trip. Dividend about £250. The New Zealand professional footballers, after their tour to the northern counties of England, arrived in Sydney yesterday by the RMS Mongolia on their way home. They will remain in Australia long enough possibly to play matches at Sydney and Brisbane. On their arrival at the wharf, they were met by Messrs J J. Giltonen, V. Trumper, H. Miller, H. Hoyle, and G. Boss, representing the New South Wales Football League, Rugby. All the All Blacks have returned, except Todd, who will play for Wigan, where for the New Zealand match there was an attendance of 45,000, Gleeson, who is said to be going in for law, McGregor, who has entered into business, and G. Smith, who will play for Oldham and Lavery. Messenger, the hero of the tour, has increased in weight from 11 stone to 13 stone, and is in excellent health. He says he had quite a large number of offers to play with North of England clubs. One of the players laughed when he heard that it was stated they had made about £150 each out of the trip. He would not say how much their dividend was, but it was indirectly gathered to be somewhere between £250 and £300 the amount will be supplemented by the matches to be played before the team disbands the players speak highly of their trip they were treated well everywhere the weather conditions were against their play and also interfered with the takings it was possible to pick out one or two teams in the previous new zealand tour stronger than any the present team were called upon to meet but as a whole the matches this season were much harder this is the opinion of johnston one of the best forwards of the side who also says that everything turned out more satisfactory than was anticipated heavy rain for weeks however made the ground sodden and the condition of the turf was in a measure responsible for some of their defeats the team will be tendered a formal welcome at the town hall on monday night messenger is to receive a welcome home at ferndale hall willara on saturday evening MONDAY, 13TH of APRIL, 1908 DALLY MESSENGER, NORTHERN THE BETTER GAME A SPECULATOR, NOT A PROFESSIONAL DALLY MESSENGER OF RUGBY FAME, WHO RETURNED TO SYDNEY ON THURSDAY WITH THE ALL-BLACKS, WAS OUT IN HIS LAUNCH UPON THE HARBOUR ON SATURDAY AFTERNOON. WE HAD A GREAT TIME, AND THEY TREATED US VERY WELL, HE SAID, REGARDING HIS ENGLISH TRIP. THE NORTHERN UNION MEN ARE A GOOD SET OF PLAYERS TRAINED TO THE DAY the secretaries or managers of the different clubs are very strict especially with regard to liquor the players are not allowed to drink and if they are found doing so they are dropped for a fortnight how do they compare with the new zealanders for physique on the whole i consider the new zealanders better built men i don't consider the northern union rules with only thirteen men aside accounted for any of the defeats as the New Zealanders had trained a lot under these conditions before leaving for England. The 13 team always means hard playing from start to finish. You never know the result until the whistle blows. A team might be 14 points ahead of you in the first half, and 14 points behind you in the second. You've got to play hard until the last moment. And in scrum formation, we played 4-2, instead of the old style, of 3-2-3 i think this new game under northern union rules with thirteen men aside is the better game it's hotter from a player's point of view and it's a better game for the onlookers it's a splendid game to watch always fast and a man has to get into tip-top nick to play it i don't know how they are shaping at it here it takes some getting into i usually played five-eighth at the beginning of the tour but was wing three-quarter most of the time i played full-back in one match in wales questioned regarding the probable effects of the rugby league upon the football of the state and the possibility of an ultimate settlement of the differences existing between the rugby union and the new league messenger replied all i can say is that i am going to stick to the league i know nothing of the state of affairs and so cannot say anything On being asked if he had heard the rumour to the effect that he had received payment from the amateur body in connection with his trip to Queensland last year, Messenger said, It's all rot for people to say that I received money in Queensland. I never received money for playing then, nor have I yet done so. Even on this last trip we were certain amount each. It was a speculation, and we had to work mighty hard to make it a good one. I believe I am classed as a professional, though, as i once tried to join the amateur swimmers and was kept out owing to the fact that i had won a race in a canoe a special welcome to messenger was given at ferndale hall woolera on saturday evening when a presentation was made to him tuesday fourteenth of april nineteen hundred and eight messenger and the all blacks reception at the town hall a large crowd assembled at the town hall last night on the occasion of a public reception to dally messenger and the all-blacks on their return from their english tour mr h c hoyle president of the new south wales rugby league who occupied the chair extended to the all-blacks a hearty welcome back to australian soil and a special welcome to dally messenger the only australian of the team he hoped they would shortly see messenger in all his brilliance upon the football field cheers were given for the all-blacks Mr Wright, the captain of the team, in replying, said the team had a good reception in England. They had learned many lessons on the tour, and one of these was that the old amateur rugby game was not the only game in the world. He was sure the public would flock to see the new league game. Messenger had made lifelong friendships in England. His goal-kicking was marvellous, and he did not think there was a player in England who could kick goals like him. He was glad to say, the new zealanders would have him when they played at newcastle mr messenger thanked the audience briefly for their reception and the team of the all-blacks then mounted the platform and gave vent to their war-cry which proved so popular with the crowds in the northern counties during the evening a programme of songs and recitations and an exhibition of leisure demand was appreciated by the audience thursday sixteenth of april nineteen hundred and eight the rugby union prospects of the season the biggest on record is the prognostication concerning the season for nineteen hundred and eight there are teams coming from great britain and new zealand and the greatest of all in the football history of new south wales or australia according to its personnel is the dispatch of a team to great britain football has been more talked about since the various disquieting influences at the end of last season and the result is that an exceptional season, as far as public interest is concerned, is about to be commenced. Players were never keener. Clubs have never worked harder. There are the same number of senior clubs, and despite a few defections from last year's teams, they appear from the standard of play already shown, to compare favourably with last year's. The season, as controlled by the Metropolitan Union, will begin on Saturday next, there have been no transfers by removal of residents the trial games indicate that the four strongest clubs will be glebe university south sydney and newtown eastern suburbs have a lot of new men and so have Balmain. north sydney will be strengthened by players from the city and suburban association all round there is a big increase in the number of aspirants to first grade teams and consequently selectors will have a difficult task particularly in the south sydney balmain and sydney districts Newtown will be strengthened by booth the ex new zealander and sydney by officers of the fleet who are eligible for selection extraordinary interest is being taken in the local compositions the places of the men who have gone over to the professional ranks have been filled by players of promise the one man who will be most missed is messenger who would however be a champion in any position and perhaps in any football game the premier club of the metropolitan union glebe will meet the leading brisbane club at brisbane and there is a possibility of the ponsonby club auckland coming for a trip to sydney End of part nine.